just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? How are your emotions? Well, wherever you're at, there's good news because God understands. And there is there is an abundance of things in Scripture to help you wherever you're at. Good, bad, in between, struggling, uh, soaring, however you're feeling. And we're going to dive into some of that. My guest today is a writer named John Greco. Uh, and he has a book out that is uh, interesting. I mean, we, there's a lot of books about the Psalms, and this one is one of those as well. But in The Ascent, he really gets into the ab- abundance of emotions from the Psalms. Uh, what does that mean? Well, we're going to find out, so we invite you to be a part of the conversation. If you haven't subscribed or followed, we invite you to do that now. Chat is open if you're watching us live, and as always, I appreciate your comments when you watch this later. John, good to have you on Life Today Live. It's good to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Now, take us into uh, what you're going through in The Ascent, uh, which is a devotional, which is available now wherever you get books. If you're looking for a great way to start your new year and get into the scripture, I would recommend this one. But tell us what you're really exploring in, in this one. Well, this is kind of one of those things that, you know, as a writer, a lot of times it's, you know, you start and you go like, I want to write about this subject or this, this, this piece of the Bible or whatever it is. And this was something I really kind of stumbled into. And it wasn't something I set out to do as a book. Um, You know, a couple of years ago when the pandemic had just started, um, I found myself at home, like so many people, Mm -hmm. instead of going to office, I was sitting home on Zoom a lot. And I, you know, so I had had that time that I used to spend on my commute, I suddenly had back and, and I said, well, I'm going to give that that time back to the Lord. And I'm going to get up early before the the, the kids are up, and I'm going to spend time in God's word. And as you mentioned, you know, the emotions, when I think of emotions, you know, I I went, well, the Psalms, right, I know enough to know that David and and some of the other psalmists, um, they poured their hearts out to God. And, And in that time, that Period of uncertainty and kind of what, what's going on in the world, Lord, and you know what happened to you know just a few weeks ago. Things were normal, and now you know we're wearing masks and we're locked down and we're we're staying six feet apart and all that stuff. And so I said, I'm going to read through the Psalms. I'm just going to every day I'm going to open up my Bible and you know read a Psalm and and, and uh, meditate on it. And as I started doing that, I realized, well, you know, I'm a writer, so the way I process things is I write about them. And so I started with Psalm 1 and just started taking notes. And then I realized that what I had was more than just notes. It was a little Bible study, a mini Bible study. And, and I just kept going that way. And then then after, uh, I think I was in, in somewhere in the, in the 70s, uh, Psalm 70, somewhere in there. And I started posting these online and just said, if you want to read along with me, you know, I want to invite you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's where I was. And what I discovered was, yes, I mean, there's these... These prayers, these songs that, you know, where the psalmist will just open up his heart to the Lord. And, and you know, some of the things you read you know, are things we, you know, we wouldn't say in church, right? You'd never say in church, Lord, break the teeth of my enemies, right? Like we wouldn't do that. But that's that's how raw it gets, right? Um, and so I just found myself, you know, first of all, that's what drew me in. And then as I got in, what I discovered was that the psalms are kind of this portal to the whole story of Scripture. 
I kept coming, I, as I was studying and reading, I would go, I'd find myself in Genesis, and then I'd be flipping into the Gospels, and mm -hmm. Paul's letters, and the book of Revelation, and back in First and Second Samuel, and, and it was this kind of, you know, this, this window into the entire redemption story, um, and, and what I kept, what I kept away with was, man, the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit are all over this book, because it is tying together these strands that, you might not think would go together. No human author would know, especially you know when, you know when David's writing Psalm 22 and he's you know, describing in almost perfect detail a crucifixion. You know, crucifixion as a form of torture hadn't been invented yet, but yet he's writing this, and you're going, like, how did he get this? Where did this come from? How does this perfectly fit what happened to Christ? And he's writing it a thousand years before before Christ walked the earth. And so you know, so I just I was fascinated with it, and and what you know the end result was this book. <laughs> And it isn't, you know, it's a devotional, but it's not your typical devotional, right? It's going to, the hope is it's going to bring uh, readers on that journey to kind of get a fuller picture of um, the story that God is telling through through all of Scripture. So it was just fascinating. And that's, you know, in the end, it was, the title we settled on was The Ascent, because it is, it's an adventure through the book of Psalms. When we think of ascending, you know, you think of the peaks and the valleys, the highs and the lows, and I think it's a pretty good description of what you get in the Psalms, and especially what, what David was going through and maybe some of the other writers. Did you did you notice this wide range of emotions? Yeah, I mean, you'll go from, you know, there'll be Psalms where, you know, David in particular, but others, you know, 90% of it is crying out to God. God, where are you? God, are you, are you, you know, have you, have you abandoned me? And my enemies are surrounding me. And, and, and it's, it's like complaint. And then you get to like the last couple of verses and it's like, and I will trust in you, Lord, you are my only hope. Right. And it's sort of like this. And that's what I think, you know, part of, as we read the Psalms as you know, new Testament believers, part of what we are, I think are supposed to come away with is, you know, there's nothing that is going to scare God away. We can be honest with him. We don't have to hold things back. We don't have to, you know, sugarcoat it, right? We don't have to make it, um, you know, Sunday best pleasant, right? We can we can be real and raw and, and, and tell God what's really on our hearts and pour, pour ourselves out to him. But we do this from a place of faith, right? We don't, we do this not going, well, God, are you really there? It might feel like he's not there, but we know because of what Christ has done on our behalf, because of the Holy Spirit that resides in us, that he will not abandon us. He hasn't abandoned us. And whatever we're going through, right, it's, it is for our good and his glory. And so we can we can echo, you know, David's refrain there with, I will trust in you. I will put my hope in you. Mm. And it's not phony. It's not, you know, Pollyanna. It is it is genuine because we have the evidence. We have we have, uh, in, you know, we have recorded for us what what Christ did on our behalf to to secure our uh, relationship with God, to be adopted into His family. Uh, and and at that, that's an interesting point to me because we have that David didn't, and the other writers of the Psalms they they didn't. Uh, so to me, to even get to that point of at the end of a lot of the Psalms of of I will put my hope in you, I will put my faith. It, there really was a lot of faith there, more than. I think we have to have today because we know what Christ has done. Did yeah. just the, that kind of level of, of choosing to hope in God, choosing to have faith in God, did that stand out to you in any way? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, and especially when, when I'm getting through a psalm, like, like Psalm 22 is a perfect example, but there are other places where, you know, you could just see Jesus on the page, and you're going, wow, but they're writing about this long before um, you know, Christ walked the earth. And 
Um, but, but what they did have, right, they had Israel's history. They knew how God had acted, you know, at, at Passover, uh, leading the people out of, out of Egypt, out of slavery. They had, you know, the, the miracle stories that were recorded, you know, prior to David's life and others' lives. They had, and David had, you know, testimony in his own life, how God had worked for him and how God had helped him and saved him. And so um, it's not that it was, I mean, faith is always like this, right? Faith is never completely blind. Faith is always, we can look back on what God has done, either, you know, for us or for other people or both. Um, we can see his promises and how some of them have, have already come to pass and how he was faithful to fulfill them. And then we can look at his promises that we're still waiting on and know that, well, if he, if he did this in the past, he's, he's going to do it in the, in the future. And so, you know, in that sense, we're not really different. Yes, David didn't have the full picture. Uh, and there's a little bit of, um, you know, I don't know if you'd say it's more trust or more faith. I don't know, you know, if I describe it that way. But it is definitely he's got an incomplete picture of what the redemption story is going to turn out to be. What he does know is God's heart, and he knows that God is good, and that's what he's trusting. So, you know, I think, you know, when we think about, like, our look, you take a look around the world today, right? I mean, this is, we live in some crazy times. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I often find myself wondering and going, you know, God, where is this going? What are you doing in this? How, how are we coming out of this? Is it ever going to look normal again? Is it ever, or what's the new normal going to be like? And then I just have to remember that, you know, at the end of the day, even though he hasn't given maybe, you know, a game plan of where any of this is going immediately, I know his heart. I know he's good. I know he promises to to hold his children. I know he's there with the brokenhearted. And I know that at the end he wins. Right. And so I, I can trust in that even without all the pieces. And so in that sense, it's like I'm, I'm looking, I'm reading what David's saying and saying, I'm there with you, man. I get it, bro. Like this is how this is <laughs> this is how we have to live. We have to live in the in the trust, not necessarily of specific outcomes, but of God's good heart. You know, you you've been writing Christian books for a long time. Uh, um, did you grow up in the church? Yes. Yeah. So the Psalms are not something unfamiliar to you, and yet when you took a deep dive on a you know kind of almost daily basis, on a regular basis, into it. Um, how did how did it how did it impact you? I mean, I, I guess you, I would think you'd almost be a little bit surprised with something so familiar to you. How maybe it looked to you, you know, at this point in time, at, at this age, or with what you know now. I did because I ask that because a lot of times I think the familiarity we take a lot for granted, and and there's so many layers to scripture yeah. that I find we can go back to the same passages at different points in our lives and go, wow, I never saw that before. Or, wow, that really speaks to me now. Did you have some of that going on? Definitely. And, you know, it's, it was kind of a combination of a couple of things. You know, I'm a, I'm an old school Bible nerd. Like I love scripture and I've, you know, in various roles been teaching scripture or creating Bible studies, working on study Bibles and yeah. books and things. And so like, you know, like you said, it's not unfamiliar territory. And yet like my own kind of um, passions always drew me into the narrative uh, portions of scripture. Mm. I always found there was kind of more meat to dig up, like what's going on, you know, culturally and historically. And, mm. you know, and how does this passage fit in with what came before it, what came after it and all that, you know, juicy stuff that you get when you study, you know, an Old Testament historical <laughs> book or a gospel. And the Psalms are hard to do that with because in many cases, we don't know the context. Sometimes we get a little indication, but a lot of times, and sometimes we don't even know who wrote them, right? Some of them are anonymous. And so it's, it's sort of like, okay, well, I've got these the few verses that are really a prayer or a song and you know and i don't know what prompted them and so i i, I naturally assumed it'd be hard to dig in 
Um, but what I found, I'll give you an example of this. What I found um, was that that's actually not always the case and usually not the case. Oftentimes there are indications through the language that's used or through you know the little inscriptions that come before the song and to give us kind of a, a framework for how to study them and go deeper. And so like the perfect example of this is Psalm 34. And Psalm 34, like for me, you know, when I think about Psalm 34, um, I, I, you know, what comes to me is the kind of the, the most famous verse from this Psalm, which is uh, verse 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that's when you always hear, you know, kind of, you know, maybe preached on or it might be part of a devotional or those sure. kind of things, but it's usually divorced from its context, right? Mm -hmm. And, but when I started digging into Psalm 34, you know, the first thing you come to is this inscription. And it says, of David, when he pretended to be in, to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. And uh, if you go back to, you know, if you try to figure out, well, when is that? You'll find yourself in, in 1 Samuel uh, 21. And um, the situation is this. David is not yet king. He's on the run from King Saul, who wants to kill him. He's tried to kill him a number of times, and he's still trying. And David figures out, well, David, Saul's got men all over Israel. There's nowhere that I can really hide. There's nowhere that's safe. So I am going to go, I'm going to leave the country. I'm going to go to Philistia, the territory of the Philistines, and hide out there. And David, so David goes to the city of Gath, which if you know your Old Testament is the city of Goliath. You know, David had already slain Goliath, but um, <laughs> wow. But but he goes to David's hometown, which tells you something about David. He got some hutzpah, right? He goes to <laughs> he goes to the place where you know people would want to kill him. Um, but he figures like you know it's it's such a it's such a uh, a bold move that you know I could probably go under the radar, and he does for a while. But eventually, people figure out who he is, and word starts to spread. Hey, David, the guy who killed Goliath, he's hiding out in our town. And so again, David's pretty smart, and he says, "Well, I'm going to pretend to be insane." I'll be frothing at the mouth and banging on the doors and things like that because there's no honor in killing a crazy person. There's no honor in killing somebody who's mentally uh, unstable. And so that's what he does. And he escapes free. Um, and so, you know, so just, just from that little inscription, I'm, I'm finding myself I'm back in first Samuel. And then as I'm reading, I get to this, this verse and, and this kind of came out of me as just a weird thing to say. Um, so he's escaped from, from the Philistines and he says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Fair enough. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. And I, I kind of, as I was reading this, I kind of stopped and I said, well, what does that have to do with anything? Like if David, as he was banging on the walls, had, had busted his pinky finger, right? Would God have been any less faithful if, you know, David had escaped with a broken leg? Is, is God, you know, somehow, you know, oh, God's not powerful because I broke a leg. That's not what he's saying. But as I so I started to kind of dig into that, what does it mean to have unbroken bones? <clears throat> and then I found myself back in the book of Exodus, right, where the, the Israelites are getting ready to leave Egypt and God gives instructions about the Passover meal. And he says, find a find a lamb without spot or blemish and don't break any of its bones. Mm. Now, in the original the original context, you know, why, why didn't he why didn't couldn't they break the bones? The, 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 what he was communicating to his people was. I'm coming quickly. You got to be ready to go. There's not even time to break off a lamb shake and take leftovers with you. You got to get ready to go. And but that lamb over Israel's history became this symbol of purity, right? God had come in and judged the Egyptians and the Israelites. They weren't perfect by any means. They were sinners just like the Egyptians. They would have been judged as well. But that blood of the lamb was there to mark them as God's people. And so that excuse me, that lamb became a symbol of this perfect righteousness that we don't have, right? And so when you, so when David's writing about unbroken bones, he's saying, hey, God 
regards uh, the person who follows him. It's just like one of those lambs without any spot or blemish, without any broken bones, perfect in his sight. And so, so I'm going, wow, that's so powerful, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm going, okay, well, this automatically draws me to the Gospels, right, right? I'm going, right, right. Jesus is that lamb. Jesus is the one when they, you know, the soldiers come to him on the cross and they're they're breaking everybody's legs because it's time to shut down before the before the weekend, the Sabbath. Um, they get to Jesus and he's already dead, so they don't break his legs. Jesus becomes our, our Passover lamb who, uh, who whose legs are not broken, his bones are not broken. And so this is powerful image of, you know, we, you know, when we come before God, he doesn't see our filthy righteousness, our brokenness. Mm. He sees Christ's perfect righteousness. We mm. are that unbroken lamb. And, you know, so anyway, in the span of just a few verses, I'm yeah. going, yeah. you know, back to first Samuel into the <laughs> gospels. I'm, I'm, I'm learning about our identity in Christ, you know, and it's, it's all in the song. And I'm going, did David understand all that exactly? Yeah. I don't, I don't mm. think so. But the Holy Spirit did, right? The Holy Spirit is the is the co-author, right? He wrote that he is the he superintended all of this, and yeah. it wasn't a surprise to him. So it's just that's the kind of thing that I was finding. It was just you know I didn't expect to when I first yeah, and, and that's a that's a perfect example of what I was talking about because a lot of times we, I mean I'd skip over those two lines and get on with it, right? But there's so much depth there. Does Isaiah make a reference to not a bone being broken as well? And we saw uh, Christ is that, I, or is that strictly I, in David? And I think it's just here because this is where, this is the, when you, when you get to that, uh, that part in the gospels where they, where the gospel writers will mention it, this is where, this is where we're pointing that's back where they're pointing to. to. Okay. You know, yeah. Isaiah doesn't get that specific, but you know, obviously there's that language. Right, right, right. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I, I love, I love just the, the nuances uh, and the context course and you're a context guy i'm a context guy so this this kind of stuff fascinates me we're talking about a book called the ascent uh by my guest john greco it's available where we get books now and as you can tell it'd be a fun one uh to get in, in into something that's maybe familiar if you've been a christian for a long time in the psalms but maybe pull out some things that you hadn't seen before you mentioned something a minute ago john um we think of david with the psalms how many did you categorize like how many did he actually write because there are actually a bunch of other authors yeah. whether known or unknown in the psalms but sometimes we we don't really associate them with anybody but david yeah we kind of for a shorthand we'll say well david wrote the psalms right because yeah, he did right. write you know uh, a majority of them but um you know there are other writers and a lot of times we don't know much about them right we got things that are credited to you know um the sons of korah and uh, Haman and, and other people like that. And, and we just don't know. Um, we, we can tell based on, you know, the content of the Psalms that, um, you know, they probably had some connection to the priesthood or the temple, things like that. Mm. And that makes sense, right? If these are songs, many of which were meant to be sung by, by a, by a group, by a congregation, that would make sense to prepare and worship. Um, but, you know, even when, even when it says, um, it, of David, there's a question in the Hebrew, right? That could also be rendered, for David or to David or like David or mm. all these other you know ways that we could render that. And so it's not necessarily, you know, I, I took the traditional route here and said, well, if it, if it describes it to David or if a New Testament writer speaking about that Psalm or writing about that Psalm credits it to David, I did the same. I don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I tried to stick as close to the text as I could, but, you know, knowing with that, um, with that, that, that there could, there is that possibility, yeah. but, um, you know, and, and so, like I said, every Psalm is different. You're kind of coming at it and you're trying to, what can I piece together about the original context? And sometimes you can't. And I, you know, the take I would have with that is that that's intentional, right? We're not meant to 
always know. And what's said in those Psalms are oftentimes what I discovered were kind of like universal, right? right and if right. it had a specific right. context, we might downplay it. And so things like that. Um, but, it, but it's fascinating. I mean, like, you know, you have, uh, there's another example of kind of a, another author that if you know about their life, the Psalm becomes, um, I would say it's heartbreaking. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Psalm 121, which was, uh, I'm sorry, not 121. It is Psalm uh, 127, which is uh, a Psalm of Solomon, David's son. And he, we, he's written, he wrote two Psalms. Uh, this is one that we were, you know, is, um, is one of the most famous ones because of the opening line. And you probably know it, right? It's, unless the Lord builds the house, uh, the builders labor in vain. Hmm. And so this is kind of one of the, one of those verses that usually gets cherry picked and, you know, maybe gets put on a nice plaque when you're, you know, <laughs> right. you're building a new church building. Or <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and, uh, but if you know, if you know about, about Solomon, you'll know that he had this wonderful blessing from God where God came to him and said, you know, I, I loved your father, David, and I'm going to, I'm going to love you as well. And, you know, whatever you want from me, I'll give it to you. And, and David, uh, sorry, me, Solomon chose wisdom and God said, I'll give you that wisdom and I'm going to add to it riches and fame, and, and you're going to have peace on all sides. I mean, Solomon had, I mean, I don't know what else a king could ask for, right? But yeah. he got it all. God built his house. And so he should have known this verse, right? He should have said, he should have lived it out and said, oh, I'm everything I have is because of God. If anybody in all of human history could kind of know in his heart that, hey, my life is not my own. God gave it to me. Mm. Solomon, I think, is that guy. And then if you know about his life, you know that he forgot. Yeah. In yeah. the end, he started worshiping, you know, other gods, and he started he was being led away by his by his uh, seven hundred wives, right? And um, and so, you know, it's this tragedy, and yet, you know, in that, like when we read it today with that context of like, well, Solomon wrote these words and he didn't live them out, it becomes a warning to us all, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes this, oh no, I I need to remember that everything in my life, all the blessings I have. Uh, everything that God has given me, they're there from him. It's not something I've done um, and, and live humbly because of it. But there's also connected to that, this wonderful promise. If you keep reading, which you know a lot of people don't because that's, that's the first we remember. Uh, verse two says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, foiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So I try to remember this now. When I go to sleep at night, that sleep is a gift. Right. If I if I can rest in the fact that God is building my life, God is preparing for what's ahead the next day, and I don't have to worry. I can leave I can leave those worries to Him. I can I can you know obviously I do my best to be faithful and follow His the Spirit's leading and all of that. But ultimately, God is the one who's building my life. I can sleep at night. Mm -hmm. I don't have to I don't have to be stressed out mm -hmm. like as if it's all up to me. And so, you know, there's this wonderful, you know, both a warning and this promise of rest for, you know, those who follow him. And so, you know, but but, but knowing Solomon's life just kind of makes that come right, to life. Right, you right, go, well, I don't, right. I want to follow the early Solomon. I don't want to follow the, the late Solomon. Yeah, no, there's a lot there that, that is a warning in a sense. And basically, I mean, it, it goes back to the idea of here, I'm going to show you life and death and choose mm -hmm. life you get the choice but i'm gonna I'm just spell it out for you and we see a lot of that you've mentioned a couple times how we we can cherry pick verses which i i get i'm i'm not like one of those guys that says you can't ever put a verse on a plaque and hang it in your home we've got them in ours and that, that's a wonderful reminder of scripture at the same time there is something to 
the totality of a text. And, and with Psalms, it can be fairly easy because they're, I mean, some of them are quite long, yes, but it's not like an entire book. Did these change for you when you went top to bottom with a Psalm? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's, I got, you know, these people that will say, oh, I never pull a verse from context. And like, no, a, a single verse can stand out as a wonderful promise from God. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're abusing it or anything like that. And it, a lot of times, you know, the, the further we go in a passage of scripture, that one verse will now spark something. And it goes, oh, now I remember what I studied, what I read, sure. and, you know, and, and, and those kind of things. And, and like the, the example from Psalm 34 is the perfect one. I'll never. I'll never again hear the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, but also thinking of that bigger context and, and what it meant for, for David. So, yeah, there's something about, um, you know, reading Psalms top to bottom and reading kind of the, 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 um, it's not a story, but the whole kind of, um, uh, the prayer or the song, you know, that's there and kind of knowing where, where it started, where it's going. Um, so yeah, it's a powerful thing. It's not a, you know, I don't want to, I'm one of those people that, you know, let's, let's, let's scripture speak, uh, you know, in, in its context. And, and the best way to understand uh, a, a passage is to understand it the way the first readers would have. I feel like that's kind of the key to kind of yeah. as much yeah, as you yeah. can get back in their sandals and, you know, think the way an ancient Israelite would think and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, God speaks to us where we are. And the Bible might may not have written been written uh, to us, but it was written for us. Yeah, and so right. we can be confident when we read these promises that God is still speaking to us today. Well, and, and on that note, for people who are struggling with various emotions, uh, whether it's questioning if God is really with us at times, you know, uh, or if it's wondering why we're suffering, uh, you know, all of these things, most of not all that you can come up with are addressed in the Psalms in some capacity. What would you say to someone who is struggling emotionally in regards to the Psalms? So, like you said, there's there's all of this kind of uh, language throughout the Psalms, and so really, it's hard to say. Well, this is this is the one I would go to. This is because what you're really getting at is how can I trust God? How can I know that even in my, on my darkest days, I was reading a book the other day and the, the author described a period of depression in his life. And he was praying for God to, to bring some light into the darkness. And it seemed like God wasn't, he was making it darker. Mm -hmm. And so he was so frustrated. And then the, you know, a few days later he was uh, planting a tree with his daughter. And as he was pushing the seed deeper into the dirt, deeper into the darkness, he realized I don't hate the seed. I'm preparing the seed for something beautiful that's to come hmm. for its purpose. And so a lot of times in our lives, when we have, you know, these dark periods where things are not going the way we hope they will, um, you know, that's, you know, oftentimes God is preparing us. Hmm. So what I would say though, is like my go-to is probably you know, the most famous Psalm there is Psalm 23. I read that now. And I, what jumps out at me are all these personal pronouns. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down. If you know anything about shepherds, right? Mm. They don't take care of one sheep. They have all the flock. And yet God uh, treats each of his children as if they were the only sheep. It's a personal relationship. He's walking with us. He is leading us. He is bringing us good things. He is protecting us from harm as if we were the only sheep. And so now when I read that, it just jumps out at me as this is this wonderful promise. He hasn't left me alone no matter what's going on in my life. Yeah. And that's good. That's good for all of us to hear. 
uh, and a great reminder. And it's all right there in the Psalms. This is the book, The Ascent. If you want to follow up with John, you can go to his website. It's John Greco writes.com john greco writes.com uh and he's he's a writer so he's got he's got a fair amount of material there for you uh so you feel free to peruse that it'll just encourage you john i want to give you the last word appreciate your time appreciate your insight and encouragement anything you want to leave our viewers with today yeah um well first of all thank you for for having me and i just say you know the Bible's intimidating. It can be, I get it. But you know what? We are never done. And we are, we are, we've been given this awesome privilege of diving in uh, every day. And so if you haven't been in the Bible for a while, uh, I encourage you to jump in. And if you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. Just jump right back in. Yep. It's always there for us. Uh, and it will encourage you. Whether you're in a peak or in a valley, experiencing a high or a low, and remember the promise of Christmas. We just came through Christmas. Emmanuel, God is with us. means he's with you. Appreciate you being here. Hit share, hit like, subscribe, follow. And we'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. All right.